And we're off. And we're back. <laughs> we're back. And we're back. With another week. It feels like, actually, I guess we did record last week on Friday. So it, feel, it felt like it came quick. Yeah. And now it did. Time keeps slipping. Time keeps slipping. moving by. Steph is slipping. 28 weeks. Into the future. Into the future of... That's an, I actually don't like that song. Do you know that song? What? Stevie, Steve Miller Band. No. Fly Like an Eagle. I never liked that song. But when you said, you know, time slipping. Isn't that Seal? No. Oh, no. R. Kelly? I'm not going to sing it that? for you. Fly Like an Eagle. Yeah, that's the song. The sea. I know. I know. Whoever did the remake of it. I know that one. It was in Space Jam. <laughs> what? That's, that's awesome. I saw Space Jam, but it's been, you know... 45 years. Apparently LeBron's coming out with the new Space Jam this summer. It's going to be interesting to see how that's received given. The polemics of our time. Yes. Yeah. And he's so outspoken he about is. things. And he's kind of aggressive. Yeah. So Steph's 28 weeks. Pregnant. Gianna. Yes, Wallpaper's I, well, I, up. We hung up wallpaper. Shout out Greg Rogers for coming over and teaching me how to do such a it's a very complicated task to do wallpaper properly i did not realize that and uh, that. it it was and greg is just the best at it but um yeah we are we're kind of cruising now now we're ordering things and a baby bed just showed like the mattress pad for the crib showed up and it's just getting exciting i i'm just blown away by this just because I think of, you know, you and Steph are like some of my absolute closest friends. Yeah. And your life is the one that's really going to change. But I'm like, man, my selfishly, my life is going to change a lot. Yeah. You're going to be babysitting more. Yeah. I'm going to be babysitting more. (laughs) I have this sneaking suspicion. You and Steph might like your baby more than me, (laughs) which is totally unjust. I had to like have the talk with Steph the other day of, um, I had it in my mind of, like we're trying to figure out work scenarios and you know, if she's going to the office, can I work from home? Like kind of balancing it out. Mm-hmm. And then she really kind of laid the law down and she's like, yeah, but for a little while there, like it's going to be, uh, she needs to be the one feeding Gianna. It's a good point. And I, yeah, that's what I said. It's like, dang it. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, there's that, there's a lot of studies out there. I'm not someone who knows the scientific literature around psychology. But apparently there's a lot of studies out there talking about how a a human person begins to develop an identity by looking at their mother's face when she's holding the baby. And there's something really profound of like the loving gaze of a mother looking at her child. Um, Well, in a battle that we have in the house, I'm going to not let Steph listen to this podcast then. She could turn it on at that point. Right. Now. Totally. Yeah, started, now. started at we're three minutes and 20 <laughs> seconds. Right. In. Okay. So that's my shout out, Greg Rogers, Steph and Gianna. I do want to say with Greg, I want to give him a shout out too, but just, yes, I, I know we both feel this way, but that man has more knowledge around how to fix anything yes. than any person I know. That's right. It's crazy. I still think we need to embark on, we had kind of touched on it, but starting a, Kind of like a man 101 course with him. Yes. In the, in the standpoint, I of think like, we might need a better title. Possibly. Uh, man 101 <laughs> with Craig Rogers. 
<laughs> but but I just think it'd be so cool, especially as like I've started to, you know, we got our house and and I don't know how to do pretty much anything. Right. And for him, changing a light bulb to the light switch to putting up wallpaper to just the things around the house, even turning on the sprinkler system. Like I've always lived in a spot where that was never yeah. really an issue. No, this is like the millennial kind of thing. That's right. And you've gone from dorms to apartments to now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're your own landlord. Yeah. And he is, he is just a totally gifted man when it comes to any of that stuff. Yeah. So my shout out this week is to Seamus. Nice. Who is Greg and Mary Rogers dog. Yep. Primarily Mary's dog. Seamus, we love you. You're a great dog. <laughs> the best. The best. The best. So today we uh, got a great show. We hope we have a great question. We had someone write in and they were asking about the ultimate goal. It seems of the Christian life. We might have to flush this out a little bit. Because uh, this could be a whole podcast in and of itself, but this is someone we know who had I had recommended a book to them, and it's a book that talks about how uh, God wants to renew the entire world, uh, and it it kind of plays off that line in the Our Father, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. That the goal of the Christian life is not for us to escape Earth to go to heaven. That's what every pagan in the ancient world believed. They they believed in heaven. They didn't believe in resurrection though. And what the resurrection teaches us as Christians is that God doesn't want us just to escape this world. He wants to redeem this world. And the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, is the sign that God doesn't abandon his good creation, but renews it from the inside out. Okay, we could do a whole podcast on that. But the real question that this, uh, this mysterious person wrote in is about... That's great. But like, what about here and now? How do I, is there a way to have goals in my life, concrete goals and kind of a plan that says, Hey, okay, FB, I want God to renew all things and to save the whole world and to raise the dead and obliterate sin and evil. What does that mean for the next year? What does that mean for my weekend? What does that mean for the next three years? Anything you want to add to this? How, like the way I read it and I think it, it just made so much sense reading the question was like, yeah, how do I oftentimes I feel like when I look at anything Catholic or even Christian in that sense, a lot of ways is it's like, let's become saints. And right. you're kind of like, totally I'm with you, but practically now, what does that even mean? Right. And how do you actually get there? And, and when you really break it down, if you're going to try to reverse engineer that and you're like, okay, in the next, you know, 20 years from, I want to be, I want to have achieved this and set these goals 10 years from here, five years from here. And then what does my walk look like? Yeah. And it was very interesting when you kind of like actually process that question for a minute, just being like, it's actually a really, it's a great question of how do you, how do you set goals in a Christian life? Christian yeah. manner. No, it's, it's a really important question. And I have a lot of thoughts on this and I think it's going it, to, for me, it's kind of a both and there's a, um, I'm going to use the, the word my mother hates very much. So I'm, I'm not going to try to avoid it. So the S U C K word. <laughs> so, so if there's kids in the car, but, um, right. You can only say that word when there's a vacuum present. So on one level, like I think there are concrete goals and we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about like, how do you do it in your life? But I, it made me think when I was reading this question that sometimes 
in the church in general, we'll talk about our own lives, but in the church in general, can we just not be vacuums? Can we just, can we just have churches that don't do what a vacuum does? Yes. And we used to joke about this, the companions were in seminary. Father John and I specifically would joke about this, that we would go to the average parish liturgy, average parish mass, and not to, not to be too harsh about it, but let's, but I think we can need to be honest about it is that the, the experience of the average Catholic mass in the United States is pretty painful. Man, brutal. It's, yeah. it's brutal. It's painful. And like a simple goal we always had is, and this again, is not a personal goal. This is a corporate goal, but as a church, and if our mission as a church is to help God's kingdom to break into this world, could we just have music that doesn't do what a vacuum does? Yep. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be a starter. Here's another one. Like I've had, I've had priests I know in my life who literally told me you need to stop preparing for your homilies. You spend way too much time. People don't know what you're talking about, which might be true. I know. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, that's, that's literally the worst thing you could possibly do. Yeah. One, one priest who shall remain nameless. Father Mike. No, just kidding. It wasn't him. (laughs) It was not Father Mike. But, But one priest told me literally, he said, you just need to wing it because people don't really know their faith that well. And so just, and what I wanted to say so bad, and I should have said it to him is I wanted to say, people know that you do that, which is why they're asking which masses I say. That's right. That's right. Not to pat myself on the back too hard there, but. Well, I think I, it shows, I think what's, what's happening here at Lord's, especially, I think you mentioned that we had two guests at the uh, masses last weekend who just noticed the demographic of Lords is a much younger yeah. demographic. I mean, you can fill in what they said, but it, it is just like, it is different compared to, I mean, that's what, when I was becoming Catholic or entertaining when Steph and I were dating, I am very open about the fact that I went to like five or six different masses in and around Denver. Right. And every single one I walked into, I was like, this is game over. Steph's become Protestant. There's no way you're going to convince me to become Catholic. Then there was something different at Lord's, praise God. And that opened me up. But it, it yeah, it's a, uh, it's a journey. It's more often than not, you're, it's very underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so but let's get back to that kind of personal goals here. How do you, so how do you do this? So, okay. There, you know, I was joking with Patrick earlier, like, one of Patrick's big life goals is to become Tom Brady. Oh, I love that man. God knows why. Yep. But that's, it seems kind of vague and out there. And, you know, we always say be saints. Yep. Go, go become a saint, which is the goal. The goal is that, but it can just seem kind of vague and out in the ether. And what does that mean for what I do in the next six months? And uh, the question actually even brought up smart goals, you know, can we do smart goals? And I, I want to start talking a little bit today about yes, to a degree. So the danger on one hand with goals in the Catholic life, you should have goals. Everyone should have goals. But you've got to be careful that you don't turn the Christian life into a self-help program. Got it. And that's important. Catholicism is not a um, 12-step program that's 12 steps to a better you. Yep. And this is why, you know, there's, there's a lot of criticism out there for people like Joel Olstein. Do you know him? Yep. And I don't, I'm not here to criticize him. I don't really know him, 
but I, I believe it. There, there's a certain brand of Christianity that's like, you know, 180 days to a better you. That's right. And you have perfect teeth and hair that looks a little bit more like mine. And just kidding. I'm Tom, losing my Tom hair. Brady. Wait, Tom Brady. Yeah, that's right. And, <laughs> and you have that Giselle, who, not my type of, she's not the kind of woman that I'm attracted to, but whatever. <sighs> yeah, me either. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's actually funny. On my notes right here, I, I literally wrote that there was two notes when I was thinking about this question, especially for somebody. I think the most structure that I've seen in the Catholic world is during RCIA, which is interesting because it's like, sure. because of the way it's structured of like, okay, well, it's going to be six months. You know, once a week we meet and yep. we kind of go through this process. And then, so you, and you're kind of meeting people at different walks of life, but you know, they're not, they're not there yet. Yep. And they're kind of exploring it. Then they get there. And then afterwards, it's always kind of like, and you're, you've gone from meeting for once a week for six months to now you're kind of like, okay, well now what? Now I'm confirmed. And now you're kind of like, yep. what do you do? And then stepping into that world or stepping from the secular world where exactly what you were just talking about is, I mean, you can't even get on social media now without finding somebody. And this is where I find it so interesting. Again, a lot of the books I've looked at, I've talked about trying to do this with you is looking at a lot of like the New York times bestsellers mm -hmm. and breaking them down chapter by chapter and saying this, yeah, you know, this was said in the old Testament 4,000 years ago. Like it's a lot of the teachings in the secular world mm -hmm. are very, very Christian Catholic, but are spun in the, they just remove God from the book and they make it about yep. blank author, but everybody is selling that next 12 step guide. Yep. The next five, you know, five bullet Fridays, five tips to this, blah, 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 blah. Of instant, you know, sign up for my newsletter and yep. you're, and you're kind of gaining that. Um, but I think it is a gap of like, kind of what you're saying on the flip side, you have this like, well, let's become saints. And you're kind of like, but the daily struggle is really tough. How do you actually get there yep. other than just throwing that kind of arbitrary goal yep. of a saintly life? And I think, and I think, and so I want to get there because there is, yes, there are goals and yes, there are things that you should be doing and you should have a, what, what St. Jose Maria Escriva would call a plan of life. And we'll get to that. I want to remind me to get to that. Plan of Life from St. Jose Maria Escriva, who's the founder of Opus Dei. Mm. That's a real thing. But I just, there, there's just a massive caveat we have to have. So Father Garansky, he liked to call this Catholic ink, where the spiritual life is, we, we want the concrete plan and the mysterious, amazing, unbelievably profound depths of what it means to be a Christian in the encounter with the living God is put in a box and sold on Amazon. Yeah. And Garonsky's crusade in life was to war against that one of his crusades. And I think there's something we had, that's an important caveat. Cause I'm going to end up in the, on the other side in some ways and saying there are real things we need to do and we need to be smart, but we need to be careful that we don't import worldly ideas of success into a spiritual reality. Do you find that you battle that a lot? Um, primarily from Anybody that it may be a parishioner in your life that is successful in the business world that oftentimes is kind of like the, the drivers 
of success. And I look at like athletes and I wholeheartedly believe wholeheartedly believe this. You look at anybody that's made it to professional athletics, nine times out of 10, they're very, very broken. And they're not living a life that is like, I'm just out here to to do this for God. And, and you know, it's not about the sport or any of this. It's like, no, they're out there to prove their mom, their dad, their peewee football coach wrong. And yeah. that's what's driving them to those levels of extremes. So oftentimes I kind of scratch my head of like, what makes you successful in the, the secular world or the business world or any of that kind of stuff, like very, very successful can be contradicting. Do you find it like you have to kind of battle that at all? In when, oh, absolutely. When dealing with parishioners or kind of when you, you have to church life. The, the way that the Holy Spirit works in our lives is different, right? It isn't, it's related, but if you're going to be a good Christian, you have to have goals and you have to work hard. But one of the things you have to do is you have to actually lose yourself. How do you put that in a five-year plan? I have to let go of control in my life to surrender to God, which is actually, by the way, much harder than taking control. So in the, in the secular world, so I think, so let's go back to Joel Osteen for a second. This would be an example of this. I guarantee you, Joel Osteen has an amazing kind of process for setting goals for making sure they're achieved for reviewing and all these kind of things that that are there's nothing wrong with that except that he's building a church that it's that is built on the health and wealth gospel which is a heresy right and so what if god's plan for him what if god's plan and i I kind of think this for him without being too strong because i don't watch him but i do think this probably the best thing that could happen to joel olstein would be if his church completely failed and he went bankrupt and realized that the gospel isn't about that Totally. And so Goronsky's big thing was this. His thing was the cross was God's goal for the life of Christ. And, and in our kind of worldly thinking, it's easy to think like a Lord. It would be easy for us to say, okay, and we should do this. And by the way, we're trying to do this. I'm not very good at this kind of thing, but we're trying to say, what, what does it look like in five years for our parish? Mm-hmm. What if God's goal, like there's a, uh, there's an old uh, um, story about there's these nuns. I'm going to forget the name of the convent. There's a convent in France that did during the French revolution. I think it was during the French revolution where the uh, sisters were forcibly arrest. And I, I might be blending fact with fiction here. So people take this with a grain of salt. I didn't obviously think I was going to talk about this today, Yeah, but there's a story of these martyrs. And they're these sisters and they're taken forcibly from their convent. And they supposedly, I don't know if this is fictional or if this is true, but they supposedly they were chanting some hymn as they were led to the scaffold. And there's like a play that was developed called the song of the scaffold, I think. And every sister kept singing until one by one, they were killed and martyred. Wow. Which is, and the, but the crazy thing is they had prayed during the French revolution. They had prayed that God would take their lives as victim souls to end the evil and the terror of the French revolution. Yikes. That's awesome. And so, so Garonsky's point, and I want to get to, to the question we have, because there are concrete things you need for your, your personal growth and holiness. We just got to make sure we got the goals, right? This doesn't work the same way it does in kind of the, the world where, you know, Jesus, Jesus's plan was to die. And sometimes we can put worldly goals into the spiritual life. There's a song I like 
it's kind of ironic because the guy who wrote it um, ended up cheating on his wife. Uh, and he's a, he was a well-known Christian singer. But he has a great song about being healthy, wealthy, and wise. And he's, he's singing to God and he says, you know, is that really what you want? Is that what you want of me? Or do you want me to be more like you? Uh, and so, so that's, that's the caveat. That's a big caveat. And I do want to say that stuff does matter. So <laughs> what, what do you like? He made a song. Wasn't that Benjamin Franklin? Yeah. So he's quoting Benjamin Franklin, uh, okay. but it's, yeah. I don't know the song. I just read when you said that, I was like, early it's from one of the guys early. from Cadman's call. Um, Derek Webb. That's funny. Yeah. And it's, um, what is it? Early to bed, early to rise. Makes a man healthy, wealthy, and That's wise. Right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Good for him. Well, he was going after in this. I actually really like this guy. He was going after the, the health and wealth gospel. It says, Hey, if God loves you, you're supposed to have perfect teeth and you're supposed yeah. to be wealthy and have a smooth life and always be happy. I heard that. I've heard that actually in the present of like you're a representative of God. It's crazy. So, so you need to look and act a certain way. That's, I mean, I heard that, gosh, I'm having serious days over right now, but it came, it was in regards to like how you dress, how you look, not having tattoos. That was a big one. Um, there was a whole, a whole thing about that. Yeah. And, and because you were representing the church. Yeah. And I think, and so there's a truth to that, but it can be distorted. Right. Right. Totally. It, can, it can be distorted. And I think that's, that's what we want to be. Just be, be we want to be aware of. Yeah. And, and are we taking our goals and putting them on God and saying, God, I want our church to have an offertory that's, you know, a million dollars a week. Right. Does God want that? Right. Maybe he does. Cause maybe then you, you know, you could say, Hey, we're going to influence and evangelize and we're going to convert Denver. But what if, what if what's supposed to convert Denver? Like, and I, I mean, I prayed with this before. What if God's goal for my life is for me to be arrested and martyred? And as Tertullian, who's an early church father says, don't you love when I dropped that? Yeah. <laughs> as Tertullian says, yeah. Uh, Tertullian says the, blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And there is just is a great truth to that, that we, and so, so this is the caveat. So I also want to mention, we have friends who help parishes to have goals. And again, this question is more about your personal life, but it helps parishes to start thinking more strategically. So I think the extremes I hear from priests all the time who say, Oh, we're thinking too secularly. We're doing this and this and the other thing. And like Amazing Parish and Acts 29 and um, Good Leaders, Good Shepherds, there's great organizations out there and I believe in them because yes, with the caveat that the spiritual life doesn't work the same way, could we just not be vacuums? Right, right. And could we just actually have people who are friendly when you come to mass? Could Father actually have a goal where I actually work on my homily? Yeah. And where the music isn't from the St. Louis Jesuits who are very popular still who wrote all these songs for like 1970s Catholicism. Totally. And, you know, here I am, yeah, Lord. Yep. <laughs> Bishop Morlino, God rest his soul. Do you know that song, Here I Am, Lord? Yeah. Here I am, Lord. This, now you know why I don't sing. He would, always ma- he would always make fun of that song. He'd say, here I am, Lord, which is from Isaiah 6. But he would say, here I am, Lord. Aren't you lucky, Lord? <laughs> and he always thought that was how that song kind of okay. came across. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a caveat. Yes, there are certain things where we need to be structured and planned. And the caveat of the spiritual life isn't just something you can 
can and put in a 12 step thing. Yep. You have to, there's a deeper thing of like, have you learned? And this is where I think we can get into this question deeper. A more, a more relevant thing is, have you learned not to be at the center of attention? Have you learned how to be silent? Uh, Thomas Merton has a line I wanted to, to bring today. So for your personal life and, and plan, Thomas Merton has a great uh, line that I use in preaching a lot. And he says, uh, the key to life is discerning the difference between what is urgent and what is important. Yep. And I think this is massively important to this question. The key to life is discerning the difference between what is urgent and what is important. And so, so this could be a good way to get, and I want, I want to hear what you, how you do this, like in, in athletics, but, and if you've seen this at all in your spiritual life, but Thomas Merton's line there, I think is so helpful because there's no due date on your calendar for growth in humility, but it's one of the most important things you will ever do in your life is to learn how to be humble. Totally. There is no due date on your calendar. Uh, for contemplative prayer and learning how to have contemplative prayer. Massively important though. And what happens in our lives so frequently is that we, um, we listen to the things that are urgent. So I'm out of groceries and I need gas and five people are mad at me because I don't respond to anyone via any vehicle whatsoever yeah. margaret kelly asked me the other day she goes fb what's the best way to reach out to you i was like carry your pigeon that's right prayer. prayer prayer see if god will relay the message <laughs> yeah to me. i'm like well i don't really respond to emails i don't really respond to texts or phone calls but if i happen to see you and i have time we could chat call mary at the front desk call, call mary <laughs> yeah i am bad about that but you, you but this is what i think where we want to get to is Saying that first step, God wants to renew the world, but but in many ways, a first step for having a plan of life. And let's talk about this. St. Jose Maria Scriva says, you need a basic plan of life that just says, here are the things I need every day, every month, every week to actually grow in holiness, to actually do that. Uh, And he encourages people. And when I was a focused missionary, we used to do this. What's, What's your plan of life? How, and I talking about, this is a great question today. Cause I'm thinking I need to do this again. I need to, I need to get back to my plan of life. So, so Jose Marie Scriva would say, what time are you going to bed? Yep. And, and so, so what are the concrete things you need in your life? I need a real prayer life. That's going to be at the heart of this. You want to grow in holiness. You want to become a saint. You want to help God change the world. Yep. More important than anything you ever do is your union with Jesus Christ. Yep. So do you remember the gospel this Sunday, this past Sunday? Um, I mean, I do. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what it was? What was it about? Don't put me on the spot like that. I am the blank. You are the blank plural. I don't remember. I am the vine. You are the branches. That's right. John 15 and Jesus there says, apart from me, if you don't, if you don't dwell in me, you can do nothing apart from me, you can do nothing. So the most important thing I think for our goals in the Christian life, if we're going to do anything, not even just for the world outside, 
it doesn't start there. It doesn't start with go do something. It starts with your personal holiness. And so prayer life is going to be a huge part of that. So, so, so you should have goals for this. So for most of us, prayer is really difficult. Do you, do you and Steph have a time like do you guys get up in the morning or something? It's fine. Right when you said that, so a few minutes ago, you had mentioned how it relates to athletics. Yeah. And I, and I think there's so much that translates. That's why I think sports are good from the standpoint of like life discipline and mm-hmm. skills. I think the one caveat being it's changing the intention behind it. Like yeah. when, I, when I look at athletics or if you're going to the gym or you're trying, whatever, whatever you're doing in life, having a coach, having structure in your schedule and, and kind of dedicating yourself to those things. And for me, my comfort zone has always been just because of athletics and whatever it was I was doing, I have no issue. Like it's, it's honestly the only time I'll actually work out is if it's first thing in the morning and I, I do certain things. That's the way I've always done it. Right. Habits, right? Habits. And I've created those. The part that I've always struggled with where Steph is, I, I would respect her so much, her ability to get up and dedicate prayer time in the morning yep. is like my, the, I'm the, the complete opposite, but I have the same thing. But when it comes to like physical activity and setting those goals, yep. um, it's really hard for me to try to like fully dedicate that. I get lost in a lot of like, well, let me do this first and then I'm going to get to it and yep. let me do this and that. And then I'm going to, I'm going to totally eventually get there, but it's so out of my comfort zone. Yeah. You know, and she's on kind of the opposite too. Like you, she will be the first to admit she hates getting up early to go work out. Yep. She'll get up right at the same time and do prayer and start her day. And she feels amazing for me. I have to like, my body just functions so much better if I do something active. Yeah. Um, so it's super interesting, but I, I do look back on it and, and just think of like, if I could, if you change that attention of like focusing on humility and prayer and that kind of stuff, not a vein like, Oh, I want to go to look better or, you know, changing that, the yep. why behind the habit, it becomes yep. a lot easier. Yep. And I think the real key to this, right. Is that, and I love the way you talk about that. I, that intention change is right at the heart of all of these things. I think one of the best things you can do as a Catholic, as a Christian is you have to realize, right. That, Christianity is not a system of beliefs. It's not a moral code. Yep. Christianity is a person. It's Jesus Christ. And, you know, I think like in your, in your guys' marriage, we're going to, I don't mean to pick on you guys, but. Love it. But how do you, how do you have a goal for your relationship with your wife? Do you guys do things like that? Goals? No, yeah, like, do yeah. you? So, so what kind of goals? I'm, I'm not married. No, for sure. So Steph and I, and, and again, I think um, she's been a big driving force at it, but I've always, I look at what made or brought me any sort of quote unquote success athletically or in school or however it was career wise. Uh, so we've out the gates started with marriage counseling. Yeah. Like hands down, we're both huge advocates of individual counseling and mm-hmm. just be able to talk about that kind of stuff. Yep. And through that, you know, it's kind of one of those things like you don't know, you have no idea what you don't know type thing. Like right. all of a sudden you sit down and you're like, oh, everything's good. And then all like there is something creeping up. And then next thing you know, you have like a 
uh, <laughs> like, you know, we have like, a, we're supposed to do it five days a week is get home and do a check-in and like yep. uninterrupted, let Steph talk for six minutes. And then it's my, and then I ask, well, what can I do? I'm not, I'm not solving anything. I'm not sure. any of that kind of stuff. And then same thing, then it's my turn. I could not have been more resistant to it. Right. I, I hate thinking like, ugh, I, I just drove home an hour. The last thing I want to do is come in and sit down and be like, this was my day. Um, but it's actually proven to be amazing yep. when we do it, when we stick to it. And it's so healthy. Um, and there are certain things that like we've started to kind of embrace and trying to focus on. Even when you, I think really it's, it's putting a, um, an importance on it when you don't think it's actually important. Right. Like we don't need this now. And you always say that. And I've learned that through you of like, there's so many times people come to you and they're like, we've been struggling this for years. Right. And you're like, dude, I needed to see you years ago, not now to try to heal this wound. I and just thought of three people I owe a text message to. Well, but yeah, that's, but yeah, but sorry, keep prayer. going. I know that's what you're prayer. going up. No, but, and so trying to focus on a lot of that, um, is is very unique and i would say the the one other part that's coming to mind right now is when i first started looking into faith um fathered by god and by john eldridge okay the guy that we both like as well um was another it was very interesting i think what's been hard for me in my journey thus far is being able to dedicate that time and actually sit in silence and that's that is by far like no doubt Steph masters that I still like 30 seconds in and I'm like twidgeting and I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, but there was something so interesting about John Eldridge approach of just like, it does, you know, you want that hundred percent. I was getting really good at just being able to get in the car, turning off the music and having a conversation with God yep. and just kind of interacting in that relationship Yep. Instead of getting on the phone to like vent to somebody and gossip and blah, blah, blah. Just holding that conversation with God. Sure. That started to become very, very natural in that sense. But I was never really gaining in my dedicated time. You know, and I, I say that was probably 10 seconds in the car. Like it, sure. wasn't, it wasn't a lot. Um, so that's a long winded answer. But um, it, it is trying to dedicate and create that habit. Yeah. Otherwise, five years from now, you look back and you're like, yeah, I really haven't grown that much. Right. I, wanna, I like this because I think this analogy is, marriage is always a really helpful analogy for the spiritual life. And because, because Jesus is the bridegroom. He, he is the groom of the church. And I think, so, so within a, a marriage, there had the, the ultimate goal is this healthy relationship within a marriage. But you have to have goals around things that are healthy habits that are really necessary for a marriage to thrive. Right. Good communication, acts of kindness, habits around forgiveness, little things that a couple could sit down and say, we need these things. And I think the Christian life, this is one of the best things you can do out there. If you want to grow in your Christian life, there's a number of things like that. And people come to me all the time and they say, FBOE be my spiritual director. And they've kind of stopped because I think word has gotten out that I just say no. Yeah. Yeah. I could kill, love him to death, Curtis Martin, and I also love Catholic Answers. But they tell everyone, they, they, they broadcast, everyone needs a spiritual director. You know what, that's, that's a great thought. You know what happens? In the Archdiocese of Denver, we're going to get, we get 10,000 people 
who are listening to these kinds of voices and they say, all of them want a spiritual director and they all go to the same 20 priests. That's right. Yeah. And it's just, it isn't. And they're all companions. Well, not all of them are. <laughs> not all of them are. But when people come to me, I always tell them they need three things that are absolutely essential. And we can break down some of the more of these, but this is a good way to get practical, I think. Yeah. If you're going to grow in holiness, uh, I think you need a good point way to look at this is you need three big things. You need a real prayer life. That's the hardest. And what the, so how do you have a smart goal around that? Well, I think you can't totally put goals on your heart because the goal of a prayer life is that you would love God more, that you would be in loving union with him more. That's hard to put a smart goal around, but you could put a thing around time. Yeah. And you can say, am I praying at the same time every day? Right. And, and different people come to this different ways, but I will say this. If you want to pray, the number one reason people stop praying is they just don't show up. Totally. And it's hard. I've believe me, I've been in so many holy hours where I've been just like every minute feels like it's an hour. Yeah. And you're just sitting there going, this is, this is insane. You set yourself up to fail. I, I, I that it's funny when you said that when we went to uh, our counseling session yep. and she brought up this concept of doing a, a nightly check-in um, and I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. That's great. She's like, okay, great. So you're both on board. Classic therapist, yep. like get you to commit and step yep. by step. And then she's like, um, Okay, so can you guys commit to uh, 20 minutes a night? And I was like, oh, hell no. There's no way. I, I know I can't. I 100%. That's not, that's, when you look at smart goals, that's not realistic. That's not attainable. Yep. Not, you know, that could be tangible, but whatever you want to say. So we ended up kind of dwindling that down. And when we started, I was very, I had to be very open about it. Just be like, man, I am having like not a good feeling of trying to commit to that. I'm going to, Steph's going to get mad at me because I'm not living up to it. So we started with two nights a week for five minutes. Yeah, that's great. And then it started to grow. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we always kind of joked about that. But when I first came into the church, I, I think I sat down with you and I was like, FB, I don't understand how people do holy hours every day. Right. Like I, I could have a holy five minutes. Yep. I could, and I, but I was, I was ashamed to admit that because you always hear that concept. You're like, man, I guess, you know. Everybody has to do this hour and I can't commit to it. And then it starts to like the diminishing returns. Like you're just like, you're going to stop showing up because you don't even want to try. Yeah. Cause it's not attainable. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like going and saying, well, I've never really worked out before, but I'm going to go run a marathon. Tomorrow. That's right. Okay. And that's right. No, and I, I totally agree. So you've got to figure that out wherever you are in your life out there. Yeah. You've got to figure out what works for you. Yep. And for most people, if you have not sat down and learned how, and then we should do a podcast on this at some point. What does it mean to pray contemplatively or in a, with meditation? What does that mean? And we should talk about that because that's, people don't know how to do that. Right. And there, there are concrete things that help that. And there are saints that have taught great things to help people to have a structure. Cause I couldn't do it either. I still can't actually. Like if I bring, if I go to my holy hour, I know what to do now. I've been doing a daily holy hour for, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. And I, I've developed a habit, but I, it's still helpful for me. Even today, it's still helpful for me when I pull out St. Francis de Sales or St. Ignatius of Loyola, or if I just have a good spiritual book that helps me. But, but that's to, that, to, uh, to guide you while you're, while exactly, you're in there. Okay. That makes me. sense. Um, but I agree with you. The smart goals be realistic. So 
for, for some people, I would say, you know, do for prayer time, do two days a week, 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but some of you, it, it won't happen unless you do it every day. Right. And that's how I was. And I think it is, I think the time has to be short enough that you're not going to just be overwhelmed and despair of ever getting there. 20 minutes, we used to stay in focus. And I think this is true. If you do less than 20 minutes of silent prayer time, you're just not going to get there. Your wheels are just going to spin interiorly. And you are just literally going to be thinking about what you have to do today yeah, or something. You're just going to be distracted the whole time. It takes a little bit of time to get used to this. And you have to show up and learn how to quiet your soul. Yeah. And what I, one more thing around prayer. St. Teresa of Avila is maybe the greatest mystic in the history of the church. And she talks about how it took her years and years and years to be able to go to prayer time without a book. And we have this weird hang up in the Catholic world where we think we're supposed to kneel the whole time. And if I put my butt on the pew, then I'm not holy or something. That's ridiculous. Put, get yourself in a position where you're comfortable, but you're not going to fall asleep. Yep. And take a book. Don't take Hunger Games or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what people read out there. Tom Brady's newest book. I don't know. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. take that. Take a book that is helpful for you. There are tons of them out there. Just go to Ignatius Press or go to Formed. There are tons of books that you could just read a little bit. Don't, don't, you know, you'll be tempted to read the whole time. Read a little bit and then turn your heart to Christ and say, Jesus, this is beautiful. I want to think about this with you. I, w- I want to reflect on this. I want my heart to imagine you're here sitting next to me or you're in front of me. And I just want to be with you and turn my heart to you. And the, whatever you just read becomes kind of logs for the fire. Yeah. So those, those are good things, but I would say you probably need at least 20 minutes and that'll seem long at first, but you just got to stick with it. And it's just like, it's just like exercise. If everyone knows when January comes around and you have new year's goals about losing weight, every one of us knows that if you just keep going, there's things you could do better. There's things you could do worse, but the number one thing you need to do is just keep going. Yeah. Same thing with prayer. Their number one reason people fail is because they stop going and you got to show up. So, yep. so that's one goal in the, in the spiritual life. But I, I, I would move on to another topic, but you look like you. No, I, I was just, I think that's a, a huge point of 20 minutes is way more attainable if you get past like, and you're open to bringing in something to help guide you having that prayer book. Cause otherwise to your point, yep. you're not supposed to, you know, you can't, you have to kneel the whole time, 20 minutes of like, I want to pray for someone. So all of a sudden you're like praying about your, like, you always joke. Like, I feel like I'm going to start mentioning my like junior high teacher. Cause I'm running out of things to pray about of just like straight 20 yeah. minutes. Um, so I think it, it is super helpful to help guide you in that. And all of a sudden you get done. You're like, I was 45 minutes in. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that's a really good goal. The other, the other two things. So when people come to me and they say, Hey, FB, will you be my director? And I'm like, um, it's a, I start with a no. And if you can prove me otherwise, <laughs> then maybe I'll say yes, but it doesn't happen too often. But the, the, what I tell people is I say, you need three things, you need a real prayer life. That's the hardest of the three. Yeah. The other two are much easier. And oftentimes they go together. You need a, you need authentic Catholic friendships. And what I mean by that is not, wow, there's someone who happens to be Catholic and we hang out. What I mean is you need people in your life where 
you talk about God. And then someone else who says, if, if the goal in the spiritual life, so origin has this wonderful quote, it's been in the back of my mind for this podcast. Origin talks about how he says, <clears throat> so the Exodus story, right? St. Paul in first Corinthians 10 says that the Exodus story is about us. It's really about us. And he says, it, it, you know, it really happened to them, but it was written down for, for our instruction. And so for St. Paul and for the entire new Testament, I mean, Jesus has a lot of implicit allusions to this, like in Matthew four, when he's tempted in the wilderness, but Egypt is a symbol of sin. And the whole movement of salvation is God saves us out of Egypt, right? And in first Corinthians 10, St. Paul and in Romans six, there's an allusion to this. Our baptism is like the red sea. We're saved out of Egypt through our baptism. There's death of Pharaoh's armies and there's a death of sin and baptism. And then we're on our way to the promised land. And what Paul warns us about in first Corinthians 10 is he can't just, it's not over. This is where Protestants get things wrong. They think if I just confess Jesus is saved, I'm already in the promised land. The Catholic response is no, God did save you. Yes. You know, when someone says, Hey, FB, have you been saved? Which no one says that to me anymore. Cause I have a collar on and probably cause they just don't want to talk to a priest. Yeah. But what I always want to say to him is yes, I was a slave in Egypt and God saved me by the blood of the lamb and brought me through the waters of the Red Sea. And now I'm in a desert. And yes, he saved me, and he, but I have to be faithful to him, which is exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. Now I have to be faithful on my way to the promised land. So origin is drawing off this analogy. Yep. And origin says, with this big goal, you know, we've got this big goal of redemption and of all things being made right in Jesus Christ. Origin says, don't be afraid of the loneliness of the desert. Cause it's going to get lonely, but he says, don't be afraid of the loneliness of the desert. He says, uh, it is better to die on the way than to have never left Egypt. Hmm. And I love that. And I think, wow. so I think with a lot of these goals for me, I am a, you and I, Patrick, like we're, we're walking together towards the promised land. And in my mind, I'm like, there's certain things that if you're going to walk every day, you're going to walk towards the promised land. And God is our, our guide through this wilderness journey. There's certain things you've got to do or you're going to stop walking. Yeah. If you do not develop a prayer life at some point in your Christian life, you're going to stop walking. I promise you, you will. Cause it's too hard. If you do not have real Christian friendships in your life, you're going to stop walking. Christianity is not an individual sport. It's team sport. And when the road gets hard, I mean, you've been with me for some of these moments. Mm -hmm it's so good to have a brother where I'm like, man, I just don't want to be a priest today. Right. I'm tired. I am tired of everyone's problems come to me. I'm tired of just the pressure and the expectations. I'm tired of everyone being able to critique me and I'm tired of the loneliness of the desert. Yeah. And you and I can sit down and you're like, man, FB, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm here for you. Right. 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 That's critical. And the third one, then let's, let's talk about these, but the third one is you need to grow, you need to be growing intellectually in your knowledge of the faith. And that doesn't mean you have to, you know, everyone makes fun of me. You don't have to learn Greek. You don't have to read Balthazar, although you should. <laughs> you don't have to do that. But you, our faith is so unbelievably freaking rich. It, like, not everyone works the way I work, but I get tired. Everyone's like, and I love St. Therese, I'm going to get grief for this. But everyone's like, I read Story of a Soul for the 18th time. Oh my gosh. And that time where Therese 
folds the napkin especially well for the sister she doesn't like. Oh, arrows to the heart. Right. Totally. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get such grief for this. Like, yeah, that's beautiful. That's great. Okay. Read St. Therese. If you haven't read Story of a Soul, her autobiography, read that. But brothers and sisters, we have, th- when I, the, the more I study my faith, the more I study the word of God, my heart explodes. And my, my knowledge that I learn in scripture and in theology drives me to my knees in the chapel. These things all work together. And you know what else it right. does is it says, when you're reading something, you're reading uh, Ted Shree. You know, you're, you're listening to Christophanic and you learn something about your faith. You know what you naturally want to do? Talk to your friends about it. That's right. You're yep. like, you, yep. you bump into your friend in car line at Lord's pickup. You're like, did you hear what Christophanic said the other day? Blew my mind. It helped, and it helped me in my prayer life. It helped me think about like how I should be relating to God. Nobody does it. Nobody, nobody will pick up a book. We just all sit down at night and watch Netflix for 18, you know, straight episodes instead of like, wow, you know, I'm actually going to like, and I know you love books, but some sort of intellectual growth. So I've been talking a lot. What do you think about those things? I'm deep into a Netflix series right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, no, I think it it is kind of the all encompassing. I think that's kind of the blessing. Also, I think I think I've taking a job in the church. Yeah, you know, for the church, I thought it's kind of it's just funny, kind of reflecting on it. I thought that those three would one hundred percent just that's a given, right? You know, but there are, and that's why I look at at you so much. Of I I would have thought that I would be like light years ahead but you get so there is so much demand within church life too right that sometimes again it's like you it just points back like most episodes for me is more kind of like this is my version of spiritual direction with fb but um it is kind of that wake-up call though of like you truly life gets busy life has all these things happening you have to dedicate that and then starting to surround yourself with authentic friendships and growing intellectually. But I think it's kind of funny too. This got brought up in a conversation the other day of like <sighs> trying to like in your example there of like going out and spreading the word in car line or any of that kind of stuff. Like I still look around and I, I have my good friendships, but I think there is so much growth that I think what happens a lot of time, and this could be a whole nother podcast is people only look for other good Catholics. And right now when that number is so it's dwindling like crazy. Right. And we've talked about that before, but being able to like, I look at Steph and myself and just think like, if she would have pigeonholed me because I wasn't confirmed Catholic. Yep. I'm out. Like I'm going to, I'm going to hold different phase of life. But she was able by the grace of God, look past that and brought me to the church yep. and now trying to do that. And that's our goal, the podcast, everything like that, to be able to bring in more people to have authentic friendships, to grow yep. and evangelize in that sense. But I think it, it can be a slippery slope sometimes of just focusing on people that are in the bubble, quote unquote. Right. Um, but I think it is imperative, especially from the standpoint of like, there are certain things and, and we've all talked about that of you're not married. So I, having friends that are, and that are going through that walk of life of 
this is what I'm struggling with talking about God through that situation and reinforcing it, especially when the world today could not be more confusing. Yep. Like, you know, and I would pray for that, you know, right. I agree with you. Like, but I think the big difference with you and Steph, yeah, Steph was open to someone who didn't check all of her boxes, but you were open. Right. I tell people this all, especially we have so many beautiful women at Lawrence and they're like, FP, where's my husband? Yeah. And, and they'll say, well, is it okay to date a non-Catholic? And that's, that's another, that shouldn't even brought that up. That's a whole other podcast. That, it really is. Yeah. And, and, but one of the things I tell people is yes, if. Yeah. And, and then the magical question is, is this person truly open to the Catholic faith? Are they going to, are they more likely, are they going to pull you out of the church? You were, I mean, you were trying to do that stuff. Totally. Yeah. And, and that's a big deal. Uh, so, so I do think we had to, we had to have that openness to, to people outside, but that was a big difference with you was you had an openness towards the church. That's right. And you, you were malleable in that sense. I also want to say with this question, the other thing we haven't even talked about is habits. Yeah. And that's, and, and honestly, this is the simplest answer to the question we got is you want a goal? So St. Ignatius in his spiritual exercises, he talks about how if you want to be intentional about following God, he talks about how the first thing you do in the morning, you know, make this every morning I get up, I make the sign of the cross and I'm not good about this. What I should do is Ignatius says, pick a vice that you want to get rid of or a virtue you want to grow in and make a act of the will. So in your, your intellect and will, So your will is how you choose things. You make a choice that morning right away. And you say, today, I'm going to grow in the virtue of chastity. Today, I'm going to grow in the virtue of patience. Today, I'm going to, whatever it is. And what you do is you examine yourself through the day. Mm. And so Ignatius specifically calls for two examines, one in the middle of the day and one in the evening. Wow. And what you do, and this is a great way to get, I probably should have started with this. It's a great way to measure yourself and to say, okay, I, let's just say I have a problem with anger. I wake up in the morning, I make the sign of the cross. I thank God for keeping me alive for another day. And I resolve and I make a prayer and I say today, Jesus, I am resolved today that I am going to work against my anger. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to, when I'm tempted to anger, I'm going to remember my meditation from holy hour yesterday. And that's going to take me to a place of gratitude instead of a place of anger. And you're going to screw up. Yeah. And Ignatius has a whole system where you can kind of mark how many times you screwed up that day and you start to compare it. And hopefully with time that decreases. Man, I, I, one, I think that's awesome. Two, I think that's where there's an opportunity to look at the secular world and just I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I hear that, then I'm like, there's something very similar um, in kind of the LA spiritual scene. But like what you do is you would set alarm clocks on your phone to go off at 1230, to go off at eight. I know you do that with like, you have that throughout the day as well, but that's my bravery, but you need that. To, to wake you up because all of a sudden you get home yep. and it, or you go, you're laying down. You're like, dude, I didn't do either of them. Like, you know, and it's you, there's a lot to learn that can help make things and grow in habits that may make them very practical. Habits are much, and this is a whole nother podcast. Habits are much more important than we think they are. 
Yeah. And, and really day by day, the virtues growing in the virtues is really the way you set goals in the Christian life. As long as back to you and Steph, that analogy, you could have every great habit in your marriage, but what if your heart didn't really love Steph? That's right. Yep. And so we, I think we have to remember as Christians, like the virtues are massively important. Temperance, prudence, justice, fortitude. These are immensely important things. And if you don't have those virtues, they're going to prevent you from growing in holiness. But they're still not the central point. The central point is the love of God. Again, I want to quote Origen again. Origen, and th- these are paraphrases. Origen has this wonderful quote, and he's, he's commenting on Genesis chapter 2, where it says that God planted a garden in Eden. And Origen says, God is still planting. Now, this will make me emotional. I love this quote. Origen says, God is still planting. For in the soul in which he removes pride, he plants humility. In the soul which he removes anger, he plants gratitude. In the soul which, from which he removes lust, he plants chastity. These are the goals, I think. And like, man, I, that, that inspires me. I'm like, yeah. wow. I, I, I need to do this today. I need to sit down and say, and I tell couples in marriage prep that they need to make goals like that, but they need to be very small. They need to pick, pick a thing you could grow in. So if you're like, wow, I need to grow in temperance. I eat too much food. I drink too much alcohol. That's great. That's a really hard goal. Yeah. That's a really hard one. And so what I would say is pick something really small. Say, okay, on Fridays is a fast day. I'm going to skip breakfast on Fridays. And that, that's real specific. Yep. That's concrete. That's something I can do. Yeah. And I'm fulfilling a spiritual thing. But I'm doing something concrete that's measurable. It's attainable. It's hopefully it's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm actually a big fan of that. The who, who'd you say? The noon and. That's St. Ignatius of Loyola. Yeah, St. Ignatius of Loyola. He was very intense, very hardcore, but he's very helpful. Yeah. And so he says that he has an exam that you do at midday and then at, at uh, the end of the day. And you review both your sins, but also, and a lot of people miss this, the graces God gave you that day. Because a lot of Catholics, right, we get, we get caught up into this Catholic guilt thing of, I am the biggest loser in the history of the world. Right. I screwed up 18 times today. And that's, you know, we need to be aware of our sins and we need to, if we, if you don't know you have sin, you're never going to work against it. That's right. But also, well, God gave me three massive graces today. And, and if you, at the end of the day, right, does it, and to come back to that Thomas Merton quote, uh, what is urgent and what is important. If you meet someone who's, who has a lot of gratitude in their life, those are the best people ever. Totally. Those are the best people ever. Monsignor Glenn, before he died, he developed a habit because he hit such a stressful life. He spent something like 10 minutes every single morning and he would sit in his rocking chair at like four four in the morning, 4.30. And he would start and he would literally think of every single good thing he could think of in his life. And he would one by one name everything he had and he would thank God for. Yeah. And it was a game changer, he said, in his life because he was so prone towards this is awful. This is like a vacuum, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you sit down and you'd be like, okay, God, thank you that I have eyesight. Yeah. Thank you that I can still get on my bike 
and I'm able to, to go for a bike ride. Uh, thank you that I have this person in my life who called me yesterday and that meant the world to me. Yeah. So quickly you realize there's so much more to be grateful for right. that we overlook. Man. So I would encourage you, my last thought today, uh, put together a plan of life. How often do you need to say the rosary? And when are you going to do it? Be very concrete. Right. Are you going to say there like, oh, I should probably say the rosary twice a week. Okay. When are you going to do that? Put it, if it's in my life, if you don't put it in your calendar, it will not happen. I, one of the things I always erase from my calendar, and it's, uh, here's a uh, public confession here, <laughs> is we, we have what are called desert days, where you have a day of, it's like a mini retreat, but for one day, silence, prayer, just to reconnect with God. I need to be doing that every month. I never do it. Yeah. Who does, that's a companion thing? Yeah. Wow. And I need that. I'm like, I would yeah. be a better priest if I was faithful to that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to that today. I need to do that. Jeez. That's crazy. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, I don't. Well, <laughs> but I need to. <laughs> yeah. Touche. <laughs> oh, man. No, I feel like it was a good wake-up call for me and, and hearing a lot of this stuff, too. And I think, it, again, it always goes back for me. I'm so grateful you said it. But picking something that doesn't, you know, it stretches you, but doesn't overwhelm you to where you just yeah. won't do it. Yeah, so I would encourage you. <clears throat> for those three. Real prayer, authentic Catholic friendships, and grow intellectually. Yeah, some something in your knowledge of the faith. Yeah. It doesn't have to be really intense, but you should be learning your faith. Everyone always says, Father Brian, I'll never be like you. Okay, well, that's fine. Like, I was given the gift of a seven-year seminary education. It was amazing. Not everyone's going to have that. I understand that. There are more resources for your Catholic faith today than there ever have been. Right. And you can't, the whole goal, right, is to love God. You can't love God if you don't learn about him, if you don't spend time yeah. with him. You can't do it. How are you going to love someone that you never think about? Right, right. How are you going to do that? You can't do that. You've got, and that's prayer and learning through your mind. Jesus is the truth. So I could talk forever. We should probably wrap up. Let's wrap up. Let's go. Uh, we can go. I'll help you all examine your soul. It's midday. It's midday. Yeah, I'll help you. I'll kick this one off. I'll maybe. confess to you myself. I'll be your spiritual director. Turn off the microphone here. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Send us an email, questions, uh, rant at lordsdenver.org. Thanks for tuning in. Tell us, tell your friends about us. And Patrick is working on swag. So I am hopefully coming down the pipe soon. Hats, all sorts of cool stuff. Cool stuff. He's much more fashionable. We'll see you next time.